and gentlemen, boys and girls, Dying Time is here. That's right, we're talking Jason Goes to Hell, still on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Crystal Lake, or as close to it as we could possibly afford. It's the Kill by Kill podcast where we are dedicated just celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the gory details of Jason Goes to Hell the final Friday in the hopes that a townsperson's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person that I trust that if I come up without pants, she's going to help me out with some cool lady sheriff pants. The one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? I, I'm, I'm unwell, Patrick. Oh, I'm ailing. Oh, no. What happened? to you i i have this cold that's been going around for the past couple of days I, i've been existing in, in, in a haze of, of dayquil and hot tea um i this may possibly be my last episode i, I just want you to know that you know, i'm glad that that you know i didn't spend the last year and a half of my life traveling and, and you know spending time with family I, I spent it with you talking about friday the 13th movies <laughs> That's right, as God intended. I don't know who this God is. As I ascend to heaven, it'll be over a montage of things that we've talked about. You know, the 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 store in Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, the the toilet oh, yeah. stinger in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. It'll just be it'll just be that as I'm just you know ascending into the clouds with Melissa saying I don't fucking care and getting slammed into a TV set. Perfecto. Exactly. Exactly. Excellent. Way I, well, I dying the way I lived. <laughs> Watching a horror series that seems to get worse and worse as it goes. Yeah, sure. That's a lot like life. <laughs> oh, this is a real depressing start. But I, whoa, whoa. I don't want to scare you, Gina. But we are not alone. Our guest this week is a writer for Birth Movies, Death, and the book form of his legendary blog, A Horror Movie a Day, is available right now on Amazon and the end table by my bed, the one and only Brian Collins. How are you doing, sir? Hey, how are you guys doing? Excellent. How are you this fine afternoon slash evening? I'm all right. I, you know, I had to watch some of Jason Goes to Hell, so things could be better. <laughs> but, I mean, other than that, everything's going pretty good. If only I had started coming to Horror Trivia in Burbank <laughs> earlier, maybe I could have asked you on for one of the super cool Friday the 13th movies, but such is life. You were pegged at all the wrong times and uh, you just happened to land and Jason goes to hell. Sorry, you know, because I haven't actually talked about this one as much, you know, as I have the other films. Um, so it's actually, it works out nice because, you know, I've, I've talked enough about Jason Takes Manhattan, and uh, I just did a screening of Part 7. and Which yeah, I attended. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And uh, I genuinely th- really like the first six, so, you know, this this is kind of perfect, because it's the right amount of, I- I'm not sick of it, and also I might be amusing, have amusing things to say about it. <laughs> I have nothing amusing to add about, you know, Part 5. If you don't like Part 5, it, you just, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, you have been sort of a, let's say, a advocate for Part 5 historically. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> I'm going to ask that gently because people yeah. should like what they like, but why? Uh, the, the reason 5 is, I think, a, an underrated entry, and the reason I love it so much, A, I think you really need to see that one with a crowd. That one really 
comes to life more with a crowd. New Beverly had a um, had a, a marathon of all the first eight entries last year, the year before, and um, a buddy of mine absolutely hated five. He's like, you know, when five comes up, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to Denny's for a while. I'm like, dude, just watch it. And, you know, but you know, they started at 7.30. The movies went in order. So by the time part five came up, it was like, you know, like 2, 2.30 in the morning or something. So people are kind of sleepy, but it just brings everybody back to life. And then after I talked to that friend, he's like, you know, what? you're right. Like, this totally works in this setting. It's kind of a sleazy entry. I, I like that. I like that it's like the closest to like a grindhouse movie that the, the series ever got. I like that in its own probably inadvertent way, it's actually the first since the it's the only actually the only sequel that lives up to the original, which is a whodunit. I mean, it's not difficult to figure out who the killer is. Uh, <laughs> time but, out, time out, time out. Because when it comes to being a whodunit, you yeah. generally need more than one suspect. Well, it could be Tommy. It could be Roy. It could be that dude, Vic, that killed Joey. It could <laughs> It could really be Jason. It could be the mother again. I mean, you know, the first one's a whodunit, and you don't even meet the mother until five seconds before she says she's the killer. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I kind of like that. If you had only seen part one... And then you saw part five, you'd be like, oh, this is a series where like a different killer is in every movie, you know? So it's, it's kind of interesting in that way. And also it's just packed with death. I mean, there are so, and I think that's part of why that one works really well with a crowd. I think, you know, if you average it out per minute or whatever, it's got to be one of the highest of the series of on-screen deaths. I mean, obviously, Jason X and Jason Tan's Manhattan have huge body counts because ships are destroyed, but we don't mm-hmm. actually see each of those kids dying. This one, I think every death is on-screen. There might be one or two that aren't. I don't know. It's just There's just something about it that I just find very charming and, and, and just weird enough. Like, I love, like, the, the mayor. The, the, the suddenly Crystal Jaws Lake. mayor. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that we never see again. Like, they introduce him as, like, oh, this guy's going to be a problem, but nope, we never see him again. None of those problems are even mentioned again. There's just padding. This is it. Kind of opens up the world of Crystal Lake a little more than we've we've seen. So I don't know. It's, I think I think it gets a bum rap. I know people don't dig that it's not actually Jason. Um, oh, that's the least of its sins. I know. I was gonna I know, say yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> but. I don't know. There's just something about it I, I've always kind of endeared to. Maybe I mean, I'll admit it's also the second one I saw. Yeah, because I started with four. You know, maybe there's a little bit of a nostalgia to it, but I'm telling you, if you ever get a chance to see that one on the big screen, uh, you know, the you know the revival crowd, do it because you'll walk away with a whole new appreciation for it. I think I will take on that challenge, mm. but I'm telling you right now, unless that screening reveals to me. That the, where this actually takes place, like where Pinehurst <laughs> is in the world, I'm still uh, going problems with it. Pinehurst in Jersey, isn't it? Is it? Because it doesn't look like New Jersey. Uh, well, then, it no, doesn't no. act like New Jersey. Even, even, I mean, even they have when one they shot Philadelphia Jersey, mayor. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, he, but he, that's he, about it. The, those do, certainly that uh, Ma and and Junior don't act like Pineys to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, everyone's no, Ma out Ju- of Ma and Junior are flat out like West Virginia. Yeah, they they seem to be mining filth in the middle of land that they somehow own. <laughs> and okay, we this is becoming a part five podcast. Yeah, that was my intention all along. Um, let's get into Jason goes to hell. Let's do a quick body count to remind ourselves who is still left alive at this point in the movie. Let's start with Stephen. 
Now, he's the guy everyone in town seems to know, and all of them seem to understand why he should not be raising a child. They instantly <laughs> know this. Jessica, man, she's a real vilf. A Voorhees, I'd like to figure out why she doesn't know she's a Voorhees. Because everyone else in town knows that she's a Voorhees. Uh, then we have Sheriff Grandpa. Now, we kid. It's, ageism is not cool. But the age difference between this guy and his now-deceased girlfriend spanned the distance between Cubs World Series wins. And, of course, there's Creighton Duke, a monster hunter who has a very roundabout way of hunting monsters by letting goofballs do all the legwork for him after he breaks their fingers. And that's pretty much everyone who's at the center of this thing. We finally met all the protagonists a good 45 minutes into the movie, like most great movies. And uh, we open now in our section of the movie for this episode with another shower scene. Two for two, baby. Yeah, I, I, need, to, I need to jump right into this because mm -hmm. I found this scene incredibly confusing. Now, admittedly, so? when I when I watched this, when I watched this, I was I was high as fuck on cold medications, and I was pretty certain that I had fallen asleep at some point, because she gets Jessica gets out of the shower after the lights turned off, mm -hmm. she puts on a a, a a t shirt and then she goes downstairs and she clearly already has blood on the t shirt and she is hobbling around like she has been injured. And I'm, I watched this very confusedly thinking, okay, is this editing? Is this continuity? Is this Dayquil? Because I, I don't know why she's already wearing a bloodstained shirt when she has not yet run into Robert. Is that the name of the possessed yeah. boyfriend? Yeah, well, you know, news at 11, Jason, I think, as he was coined yeah. by Michael Verratti in the last episode. I actually I actually started calling him Goth Patrick Bateman. That works. Because he, they, they cheapened out a little bit on his makeup, like his possession makeup. It was like a little bit of white pancake makeup and some black lipstick. I took a, a snapshot of, of uh, Deputy uh, Jason earlier, and it looks like they just painted some chocolate around his mouth. In fact, it looks a lot like <laughs> Joey from Part 5. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah it's a great starting point um maybe it's a callback i don't particularly know which one is the better chocolate vampire no one could really answer it for me there's one other thing about her shower that i think we need to address before we talk about her long journey through her own house and that is her shower crying this movie contains more shower crying than i was expecting I don't know about well, you it, both. Well, it's it's dramatic, you know. I mean, people Is cry it? in the shower. I mean, I, I don't know why she would need to cry in the shower when she's in her own house when nobody else is there. I mean, <laughs> well, that's usually... Do you invite that's a, people that's, that's, to that's shower kind of cry? Well, no, but I mean, that that's usually the, the general sign for I can't tell anybody that I'm crying. So you'll, <laughs> oh, you'll go see. cry in the shower because you no know, one could hear you. You know, the water washes away your tears. But she's in her own home. Plus, her mother has just died. I mean, no, no one is going to, to, to begrudge her for crying openly in her own home. Uh, the lights go out because News at 11 Jason has cut off the power. Not the way he usually does in previous movies by just yanking uh, an electrical box out of the, the wall, but just shutting it off. So once again, just kind of lower grade Voorhees moments here. Um, and she gets out of the shower. She dons this T-shirt, which has some sort of stain on it. Uh, yeah, it kind of looks like blood. It kind of looks like chocolate. I can't tell what it exactly is. Uh, she's soaking wet. 
but it does not appear to be wet. That's okay. But then she grabs a hammer. She goes looking for something in the uh, glove box of a car. And she grabs a hammer. She starts holding it in front of her like it's a cross. (laughs) Has she been hunted by vampires before? Is that what this is? Well, I mean, remember that there was... Jason did briefly turn into a vampire when he went to Manhattan. (laughs) It is true. He did. He did snatch Canadian cops out of the shadows and <laughs> and suck on their blood. Pull him into his pull him into his cape and sing the dark music of the night to him. <laughs> just tell tell them that they they won't be bullied anymore and just suck on their blood and make them one of the undead. That's something that happens in part eight, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, she totally has blood on that t-shirt, which makes no fucking sense. Unless that's somebody's, somebody else's t-shirt? Uh, who knows? Okay. Why would she this just snatch no a soiled, bloodstained t-shirt to put on after a shower? <laughs> don't know. But she had it out like it was available. So she planned to put that on? Add it to the fucking list with this movie. It does have one relatively well-directed sequence here, and that is when she gets into the car and she puts on the hazard lights and the red lights reveal that she's not alone in the garage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that bit. That's, but that's she, a decent but, but bit. Yeah, you, don't but, really, but, you can't quite tell at first that that's a person because the way his shirt is kind of matched up with the you know the garage door. Yeah, it's one of those. I like those. Like yeah, you don't realize but, at first you see a person until they actually move. But on the other hand, she can't hear a six foot tall man sneaking around her garage. <laughs> well, it's a little bit different than maybe some of the earlier additions here, where Jason was not only constantly clomping and squishing when he walked. <laughs> but no one could smell the man, which was insane. <laughs> Even when before he was undead, he lived in the fucking woods with one operational toilet. He probably didn't smell good. But meanwhile, this guy is full of black heart goo. He doesn't smell at all, and he can move silently. So I guess I'll give you that. Adding to the confusion here is that he does continue to act like a vampire because whenever you know jason is in one of these bodies he grabs people by the mouth and tries to give them a soul kiss and it does (laughs) not look as scary as one might think no i mean Um, he just looks like he's about to vomit into their mouths in a way he is now this brings up a question that i've had for a while and i i I think both of you have watched enough horror movies that you will have an opinion. How does this heartworm transfer thing work? Is Because whenever he grabs somebody, he seems ready to just, this thing's on the out. It's yeah. already in his mouth. Where does it live on the regs? <laughs> Is it in his throat? Is it in his jaw? Is it in his heart? Like, wh- what pocket of the body is it sitting in? I was going to say, I... I- Thought he might have had like little cheek pockets, like hamsters have. <laughs> okay, like 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 a where a, a cow stores his cud sort of deal. Right, exactly, exactly. Okay, uh, Brian, what say you? I, I just I, I just realized that you know, it, it, yeah, it must be kind of just like hanging out in his throat, like an extended uvula. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the, he talks at the end. The one that's possessed is the, the sheriff, or the deputy guy. I know that's not in our segment, but uh, he he talks plainly. And then yeah. instantly has the worm at the ready. So he's good. 
I always kind of assumed that it replaced a person's heart. I don't know why. It's just because it starts with a heart and then all the tinkerbells sort of congregate there with the coroner. Yeah, but but your all... but your but your throat isn't connected to your heart though. I mean, how do you like how do you launch <laughs> something where your heart is out through your throat? Uh, this thing's spring loaded. That's all I know. It, all you have to do is press one lever, and it's right there. <laughs> I mean, they're basically just walking around like those those cans of peanuts with a snake stuffed inside of them. <laughs> oh my God! Someone draw Jason as a can of peanuts with a snake inside of it, please. <laughs> please make that happen. My God! And then, and then we'll start. We'll start a Patreon, and Patrick and I will get matching tattoos of it. <laughs> <laughs> I've not agreed to any tattoo, especially not of that. It, I might go with Steamboat Willie with the Jason mask on before I go. To it, that. It'll it'll be like that scene in Starship Troopers, where they all hold out their arms and have the matching tattoos. <laughs> Finally, something on this podcast that's like Starship Troopers. I thought it was when we showered together, Gina, but... <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Stephen hauls Jessica out of the house to rescue her from the Jason uh, zombie, whom he punches unconvincingly. I, I was going to say, he gets this little <laughs> flimsy little... <laughs> <laughs> what What this actor does well is take a punch. What this actor does not do well is look like he can punch somebody. He, and this he, get- shows, he shows an increasingly implausible level of strength and agility, which is, like, I'll, I'll get to... There's another scene a little later when they're at the sheriff's station where I was like, what? He, how is he able to do that? <laughs> but, I oh, mean, he is constantly... Yes. Yeah, yeah, the handcuff <laughs> jump. Uh, I, uh, he, is, he is constantly being punched. He's being headbutted, which you, normally, you know, you, you don't just say, ah, oh, gee, that really hurt. And somebody slams their head at full speed against yours. <laughs> he, he is showing a, a sort of you know, almost invincible level of strength. It's a good match for Jason. Which, which I feel like that this that this character was originally meant to be played by a different actor, <laughs> because I am not buying this actor at all as some sort of like huge jock like you know Adonis that could just someone could just punch you you know hard enough in the stomach that you're spitting up blood afterwards. And yeah, you're just <laughs> fine. That is the uh, that is the one that the handcuff jump. That is the one movie stunt I, I think I ever tried doing on my own. Uh, I would like hold my hands together behind my back and try to jump over them. You cannot do that. (laughs) Certainly you cannot unless you have practiced all your life to do that exact move. Yeah, and he does it as if that is the, like, the instant you know, go-to response to that situation. He's like, like Mr. Fantastic. Like, he just, like, yeah, also he, has these, like, long arms yeah. and just jumps over them. I mean, if he had like, why after do people do that, this more often? <laughs> if he had, after that, started doing the kid and play dance with yeah. that other sheriff's deputy, that would have been more believable than him getting the handcuffs on the front part of his body rather than behind his back. Um, it's kind of a reverse of that in, um, I think it's Pitch Black. It's either Pitch Black or Eddie. Pretty sure it's Pitch Black, where he, where Vin is, he has his hands chained behind his back, and he lifts them over his head, and man, just to get out that way. It's like the... Yeah, the yeah. old... Uh, our I arms just don't work the, the way our normal arms do in, in the movies. <laughs> the old dislocate the shoulders trick. Yep. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, Stephen uh, grabs Jessica, takes her outside, and News of the Love and Jason is there growling like a bear, just like Jason Voorhees does all the time. <laughs> uh, and Stephen uses the weapon that's at his disposal, and that is the late model Oldsmobile that he is driving. Uh, and he manages to give old News at 11 Jason the TJ Hooker treatment and roll him over the top of the car. And then just for good measure, backs up over him a second time. Yep. Um, and he does not look good after this. This is where I wonder where that heartworm is, that maybe it's mobile. Mm. It's always moving because it's able to avoid bullets. It's able to avoid car tires. It's very, very nimble for a parasite that lives inside your body. Yeah, there's no, there was no explanation in the film what would happen to the worm, the heartworm, whatever you call it, demon, if it was just destroyed itself. I mean, we're shown that it can last being eaten like a jelly donut in the, <laughs> in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. But that's not, is that what's in? The, the, something was missing. You know, is it the heart or is it like a worm? formed out of the heart i don't know if you just have to like the sacrament you have to take uh, of the body and uh, of yeah, the maybe. blood and then <laughs> maybe the tinkerbells that that came out of jason's old body that yeah. run into the corner those activate those things and it forms whatever the now heartworm is uh, but we don't could you just shoot it I mean, the heart kind of just, like, managed to survive the explosion because the parts around it got blown up, I guess. But what if you just shot the heart? Uh, Someone needs to map this out. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Someone could work on that. That would be great, too. Jessica demands that Steven stop the car. Uh, She needs an explanation. And (laughs) Steven very calmly says, you know, uh, you think that I I ran over your boyfriend and I killed him. I didn't. (laughs) Um, And she does not buy this and she decks him the full the fuck out so she literally kicks him out of the car i really want to know what this guy did to deserve like their breakup or whatever because everybody treats him as if he's like the scum of the earth and we never see anything remotely in the film that suggests he's anything but just like a normal dude like maybe he was like having slightly you know oh i don't know if i could do this being a dad kind of thing but they treat him like a hardcore criminal yeah, we talked about we briefly talked about that in the last episode. How he he's treated almost like the sort of like the uh, you know, the town the town bad boy. Everybody, oh here, here comes trouble, yeah. and they left they left those. And again, I feel like this this character was definitely meant to be played by a different actor at some point. Because yeah. nothing. The only person about- who seems to like him is his ex mother in law, which is like what. Yeah. And and the She's one your... the one deputy who who insists on oh, continuing yeah. to try to help him, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But like everybody else is just like, oh, here comes you know who. Well, yeah. I mean, no, we don't know who because because <laughs> no one has ever told us anything about this character. And I, yeah, this I feel like this one more than any other in the series just suffers from so it almost, many gaping plot holes. And it, it almost would have worked if they just had him playing his. Friday Thirteenth, the series character, because then they could just be like, "Oh, he's a freaking weirdo that you know he's off like hunting ghost objects and you know he's crazy." Like then it would work almost. Like you could just be like, "Oh, okay, yeah." Like everybody just thinks he's like this disturbed individual. Fine, done, boom. But you know he's a different guy. 
Yeah, the crazy thing about this is that some part of this movie wants him to play the Kevin Dillon role from the 88 version of oh, the yeah. Blob. Yeah, yeah the town exactly. bad boy that no yeah. one trusts. Yeah. Like he's 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 he runs with a bad crowd or he's just bad luck so you don't want to get near. It. That would make sense. But then Half the townspeople are like, he's fucking terrible. And the other half is like, here are my car keys. He, what? <laughs> he's a, one or the other. He can't be both. And because the film just doesn't decide, or at one point they did decide and they cut it out. Mm. It's just very confusing. I am I am endeared to the fact that this of, of all the films in the series, this one has the most amount of like adults and... Uh, like a populace of Crystal Lake that seems to know each other and kind of care about each other in you know to certain degrees. You know, like the the the, the lady that runs the diner knows you know the, the family, and and you know she's got a friend, and her her son is best friends with with Steven. You know what I mean? Like it's like this whole sense of community almost, and it's like and none of you people had heard about Jason before. <laughs> well, and, I mean, or, that's or at least the or, or figured out. Ever, uh, no it, one it, it seems leave. to remember <laughs> when, when, what happened, or if they do, it's this yeah. far-off legend that yeah. half the population seems to have <laughs> newspaper articles about, and the yeah. other half are like, it didn't yeah, that's happen. the thing. It's like they either it's either a legend or it's completely unknown. Like there's no in between. There's no like casual. Oh yeah, kind of. Is this that guy I heard about on the news a while back? Is that it? It's either they're experts or they're oblivious. Uh, and I, it's obviously somewhat of an influence, and it gets even worse in this film, of the responding to, to Nightmare on Elm Street. Because oh, yeah. that's straight up fantastical. Yeah. A lot of people don't believe that Freddy exists because he would visit them in their dreams because they're mm-hmm. an adult. You know, they're different types of horror movies, but here they're kind of like, well, if you like that sort of thing, maybe we can make Friday the 13th that. Mm. And they sort of shove it in that corner, whether or not it deserves to be there. Uh, Jessica drives like a bat out of hell right to Sheriff Grandpa's uh, business office there. I think it's called a sheriff station. She then dons what has to be her third most insane outfit in this entire movie, which is this stained white T-shirt and a pair of lady sheriff's pants. I don't know, Gina. I looked at that sort of commander's outfit that she's has before with the crazy flaps and lapels it's even nuttier than i remembered yeah so it's it's some sort of like i said it's a starfleet funeral suit but she, but she uh, but but that's not even a funeral because she, i mean her mother just died like the day before so yes. uh, you know un- unless you know unless they are they are jewish which Voorhees does not suggest that they haven't buried her yet so why is she wearing this outfit i mean everything about the Voorhees clan seems to get cloudier and cloudier the longer we go into this movie because none of it makes sense and this is where we cut back to steven along the road the sheriff has sent out the deputies to go and grab him and the one who's uh managed to find steven first is poor officer randy poor dreamy beautifully haired officer randy uh and they have what has to be the most realistically even matched fight since they live <laughs> if only it lasted another seven minutes it does I, I last have... longer it does last longer if you go on the dvd there's an extended version oh uh, really yeah not not so much of the punching uh part but where they're uh where they pull guns on each other they spend like another minute arguing about Who's going to shoot each? Who's going to shoot first? And 
You can't pull well, yeah, your gun. Midnight you, run. Yeah, out you of can't nowhere? pull. You can't pull my own gun on me. It's inconsiderate, and it's just like what? Oh, the, the, the deleted scenes. If you're listening and you own the DVD, definitely watch the deleted scenes. I believe they're from the. the they show up on television back when this movie would air on television. Uh, you know, when they kind of had to pad out the runtime, and well, uh, sure, there's an extended you can't show a melting man on television. Yeah. Uh, there's an extended, like, three-minute scene in the diner where Stephen uh, teaches Randy and red-haired waitress Vicky uh, how to uh, make a prank phone call. And, oh, God. Yeah. How old are these characters yeah. supposed to be? I, yeah, that, that's what, yeah. It reminds me of my bloody Valentine where, like, the cops are referring to them all as kids. And I'm like, they're 38, dude. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah, like he's like, oh, he's he's like, oh, there's a whole like science to making a prank phone call, and like he goes through the whole thing. He calls a pizza place and tells him that he's gonna send Vicky over because she's a hooker, and that uh, that his name is Officer Randy, and blah blah blah. I'm like, what? Why would you film this? Why would you ever like, like, <laughs> why would you even write it? But why would you get to the set and be like, yep, yeah, you know what? This Friday Thirteenth movie needs. Four straight minutes of three adults prank making prank that, phone calls. That could explain why nobody likes him, though. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's fuck, a town bad boy because he's like it, the failed jerky boy. It's 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 like it's like oh, ha, 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 hey, would you blow like that's me? his that's hidden hilarious. backstory? He wanted to be the he wanted to be the jerky boys, and like they either fired him or or they like he failed his tryouts or something. He he just could Smashed not come up, up with the... a racial racial stereotype voice strong enough to to be a member of the Jerky Boys. Yeah. That's right. He's the, the MC Search to the Beastie Boys. He just he could have been one, but was not. I really think we lost out by. I mean, this is the only Friday the Thirteenth movie that came out in the nineties. All the other series got a couple entries, but this is the only nineties Friday the Thirteenth movie. And I really think we we missed out by not having a couple of for na- like for looking back now, like the nineties version of a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Uh, especially yeah. post Scream. I mean, I mean, we got Jason X, but by then it would kind of died out. But if we had gotten one in like '98, <laughs> well, they had the movie. they had the chance to to release Jason X. They kept it on the shelf for two years. Yeah, they, they by the time they made it, they knew that it wasn't going to work, and they <laughs> just sat on it, hoping that you know that it would be a, a that lead egg would make gold eventually. You're doing that one next, right? You're going to keep going. Uh, we, you heard it here first, folks. We're gonna we're gonna take a break in between oh, okay. Jason goes to hell, uh, and Jason X. We're gonna do oh, uh, we're gonna do hello, Mary Lou. Oh, all right, prom night two. When you get to Jason X, make sure you have your guests watch the trailer because the trailer is a fascinatingly awful piece of work for that movie. <laughs> okay. uh, it's like it's constant like overlapping images with like all these like weird it's 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 a very badly cut trailer and it's like you watch it and you're like oh this is why the movie failed and they don't even build up jason like they reveal him like 20 seconds in like it's like something you know they start off like it's gonna be like this big thing like oh shit jason's back but like it's like so unceremonious when they when they finally reveal him like 20, 25 seconds in, and there's like no fanfare to it. Plus, I mean, he looks like shit in that movie anyway, so it's hardly <laughs> recognizable. Uh, but it's there's no like Jason is back kind of thing. It just says like evil gets an upgrade, and they have like the drowning pool song. And it's just ugh. like at least this at least this had a good trailer. They made it seem like an event. X uh, X they did not they did not put the same level of effort into. <laughs> and yet, it's the best costumed effort in the entire series. So there's that. Yeah. 
uh, usually people are dressed like hobos. <laughs> and so uh, Jessica takes off. She gets back to the sheriff's station. She dons new pants. And Stephen allows himself to be taken in and arrested. But hold on to your hats, folks. This movie is not done with homages quite yet. Because we're about to get an extended Terminator-like throwdown <laughs> throughout the entire sheriff's office. So we're going to... We're going to take this on in, in one fell swoop, but we're going to make some stops along the way because there's things that need to be discussed. Okay, so News at 11, <laughs> Jason comes in the door, uh, very determined to get past our first officer, who is named Bish in the credits. Officer Bish, B-I-S-H, which I don't <laughs> believe is a first or last name, <laughs> but okay. No, that's a real last name. Uh Molly Bish, that was a famous uh, kidnapping or, or murder, I forget, case in uh, Massachusetts. There we go. It was an op- we I, an I, but I assume it was like a, let's avoid getting sued, maybe, and but, you know, since they're doing Terminator, maybe they thought they'd throw a little love to Lance Henriksen and, and Bish Bishop. That was always my kind of... I'm fine with that. Let's, let's, let's it. say it's that. Um, no. He gets tossed to death, maybe? Yeah. The, 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 uh, what do you call him? Film by 11J? Film at 11, Jason, he yes. he doesn't... It, it's funny, I noticed that the actor, who's been in, like, some real movies, he was in, um... He, he played one of the Kennedys in one of the, um... In that Kevin Costner movie about the Bay of Pigs. Oh, I don't know. 13 Days. I, I remember um, the poster, that's about it. Yeah, he, he's one of the Kennedys. I forget if he's Robert or John. But, um... I notice he actually does make some effort to kind of act like Kane. Like he, it seemed like he was like if Kane gave a class to all the guys that would play Jason in the movie, he might have been the only one taking notes. Uh, like he does put some effort to it, and you can really see it in the scene. But a lot of his kills are yeah, he just kind of kind of tosses them, which is weird. It, it's a very physical. This gets back to body manipulation, yeah. Jason Voorhees. Where he would he does a lot of like I'm gonna crush you I'm yeah. gonna fold you in half yeah. I'm gonna bend this I'm gonna break that rather than weapon Jason yeah. um, we also get a very awkward uh, split diopter shot inside oh, yeah. the sheriff's <laughs> office which is not very you can't well framed do, you can't do split diopters not, that's I don't want to get too film geeky you can't do split diopters in a one eight five image you need scope for that. And I know that they didn't. They only went scope for one of these movies. The only one they did was um, 3D. You can't do it. It just doesn't work. I have the Blu-ray, and it it is so terribly awful because yeah. he's he's framed up against a, a fish tank <laughs> that you can one half of it looks like it's in the Phantom Zone, yeah. and the other half is just fine. In the background, of course, we have uh, News at Eleven Jason uh, wrestling with Jessica and managing to throw the female sheriff who is not given a name, into her own locker, and we just get a bit of a blood spray. So that's two sheriffs down. Uh, then we get a aborted heartworm transplant <laughs> into the mouth yeah. and a real close-up of it, too. Uh, and it seems to get very fast out of the body and then slow down out of the mouth. It's moving around like, oh, gee, I don't know, maybe. I don't know if I want to yeah. go through this. This is really the right thing. <laughs> Well, when you see it in all of its glory later, you see it's big, so it kind of got, like, got stuck in the throat somehow, and it was just trying to squeeze its way back out. It's like an octopus getting yeah. off a ship or something, yeah. just squeezing through a very <laughs> tiny spot. 
<laughs> so uh, then Sheriff Grandpa runs out of his office, uh, pulling out a gun, but not firing it, just running straight towards him. And he gets his nose shoved into his brain. So that's kill number three in the uh, in the office. This is when Steven is revealed <laughs> along with with Officer Randy. Uh, and he does that cool little um, cool as ice maneuver to get his handcuffs from his back to his front mm-hmm. and then he he elbows Randy in the face and yeah, takes no. his gun. <laughs> My poor <laughs> Randy like that was, it's so unnecessary that he like knocks him out cold again. Like, yeah, why, why not, don't you, why don't him you show him help? Yeah, the train cop. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, why does he think he's so much better at this than Officer Randy? He never gets a chance. Oh, plus, Randy would have had two guns, wouldn't he? Wouldn't he have had his own plus the other one that he took from Stephen? So yes, they could have and joined this forces. Gun, yeah, this gun has. Or an he could have gone. Amazing. Or in keeping with the '90s theme, he could he could have gone to some John Woo action and and used both guns at once, which would have been I awesome. Was, <laughs> I was about to say there is a John Woo level of not needing to reload happening in uh, this yeah. movie. <laughs> the 90s were the era where your gun could yeah. shoot as often as you needed it to. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I mean, if you're jumping out of, out of your handcuffs, you're definitely doing the whole, you know, pointing pointing two guns in two different directions yeah. and not looking where you're firing and somehow still managing to hit what you're trying to hit. Yeah. He's a crack shot. He hits him like three or four times in the chest and then one in the forehead for good measure. Oh, yeah. He really that, knocks him and out. And this part, this part kind of bugs me because... The whole thing is that Creighton explains is that the bodies kind of get worn out and it has to keep jumping. Why does this guy, and then we see that throughout the movie, but this version, for whatever reason, survives multiple hits, getting run over, and now getting shot in the head, and he still keeps coming, as if he was the actual Jason. That, How come I, his body I agree didn't with wear you. out? Yeah. He, he, got run, he got run over with a with a with an audible crunching sound, which, yeah. which to me suggests that it might have been his spine. So I'm not sure how he was able to get up and continue walking around. I don't I don't quite understand this because he's they it doesn't follow its own rules. If no, you were to take not. this from the hidden standpoint, he mm. would have had to jump bodies a long time ago. Yeah. This is completely inconsistent simply to make this sort of Terminator ripoff, which I understand you wanted to do, but it, it seems like he should be you could take a couple of these, you know, kills that are just rando hits to the nose and have them jump into that body yeah. and you not know who is Jason. That might be better, maybe. The only thing I could think of is that maybe the police station sequence was an addition, a reshoot, and they had to keep him as the guy because they had already had the diner scene where he's in it again. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you because know, I know they, they reshot some of the movie. Because otherwise, it just doesn't make sense that they wouldn't have the janitor or, you know, a random prisoner or anybody come across film at 11, Jason, uh, and get, you know, and be the new host for that one to come kill everybody at the diner. Hold on, everybody. I mean, the, the, the airtight logic of this film is just completely <laughs> thrown out the window in this one scene. I mean, it was all yeah. going so I mean, swimmingly was, up until they, now. They were, they were courting Academy favor until this point. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Rex Reed threw yeah. his notebook yeah. down like, to the ah. ground and said, I'm leaving Jurassic Park and left the theater. <laughs> I don't like the last action hero. This is terrible. And that's what he wrote. I need everyone to... 
be calm here because we're about to meet royalty. And by royalty, I mean two assholes who used to be on the radio in oh, yeah. Los Angeles for nearly a decade. It's the morning DJ team of Mark and Brian. Uh, Mark and Brian were not funny like <laughs> most morning DJs. And it was made worse by the fact that they constantly plastered their face all over billboards. And then each of them went into their respective hairdressers and says, give me the Swayze. Because <laughs> it is a terrible amount of hair that they does not wear well for their faces. For reasons I do not quite understand, they were friends with this director. And he said, oh, I'm going to put you in this movie. And so as a result of that... We are treated to their comedic entrance to this film. Let me paint a verbal picture for you. It's a hallway in a sheriff's office. Out of a room that is not labeled emerge two men, both with hockey hair. One is wiping his mouth with a napkin. The other is zipping up his pants. So my question <laughs> to the both of you is, is this a terrible 90s gay joke or... Is this a really terrible <laughs> '90s gay joke? What uh, yeah, what I mean. station were they on? What I wasn't out here then. I, I, uh, KLS. I it was KLS. Oh, okay. Yeah, they uh, ruled. I'll put that in Dick fingers. Those uh, okay. airwaves. For I'm trying to think a of while. like what the equivalent now would be. I mean, that's that's Heidi and Frank now on KLS. Yeah, I would say they were at Heidi and Frank and Frosty level oh, <laughs> at awesome. one point in their lives. You know, they were the variants of Howard Stern out here yeah. before he became simulcast, mm -hmm. um, ripping off his various bits as most radio DJs in other <laughs> parts of the country were at the time. Only they were not funny and. They, uh, as far as I'm aware, are not currently funny. I don't, I don't know where they slinked off to, but this is not evidence of their comedic genius. It's not. Um, it's not that one of the best kills in the movie either, because the the level that he hits them does not match the effect. I mean, he kind of just bonks their heads together. But then when they come apart, it looks like they were set on fire and kind of fused together and then pulled back apart again. It looks like they were part of the thing. Yeah, it's such a weird yeah. like discrepancy i mean usually with these films it's like you can throw out most of you know i know i've been talking about how hot is the body you know like it, there's zero sense in any of these but usually they get the kills right but here they even fuck the kill up <laughs> which is weird because this is k and b yeah and while it's certainly gross like whatever no, the, the, the effect the effect is fine it's like they didn't shoot the first part of it properly it's just yeah like it was supposed to be a, a much stronger hit than what we actually got but that would have required filming them showing impact yeah and they try to imply it but because you're changing angles yeah and and shots it doesn't quite work the other thing that doesn't quite work is before they're killed they round the corner to find uh, Officer Randy on the ground, and they approximate cop stances. <laughs> and I'm not sure if it's Mark or Brian is straddling what appears to be an invisible hippopotamus on the ground <laughs> and pointing a weapon in two different directions. I have a screen grab of it. It's the worst approximation of a cop ever. <laughs> and so they uh, are kill five and six of this sequence. They die by cheek I, yeah. impact. <laughs> Their faces are smushed vastly. I don't know how to describe it. It doesn't quite work. The last remaining cop is punched out by Duke. I hope that cop had keys to his cell. Otherwise, that would be a bad fucking move. But he magically gets out of jail, so we'll assume that he does. 
Um, that, that was a, yeah, that was a good guess on his part. He only had one shot and he took it, but otherwise he just would have punched some guy who couldn't get him out of jail. Uh-huh. But then again, he's the master monster hunter whose plan it is to just come into town and capture Jason Voorhees by getting arrested immediately. <laughs> so he knows more than I do. It worked out for him. Uh, while, uh, while we're talking about Creighton, I, uh, doing prep for this, I, uh, I looked on the INDB. I was just looking at the trivia and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, you know what? This is this is all Los Angeles. I should see if where the filming locations were. I wonder if anyone near me. And the house, the Voorhees house, is about seven minutes, and I'd even drive, which in LA is, you know, that's a mile and a half drive from where I live. And I'm like, holy shit! So I, I drove up there to try to look at the house, but it's kind of like on a private road. It's very, I mean, you could see a little bit of it when Steven pulls up to the house earlier that it, it's got like this long ass dirt driveway. And it was kind of, it wasn't, it didn't look totally roped up, but there were other private roads near there. And it just had a sort of, you know, leave us the fuck alone vibe. <laughs> so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't go any further from that, but I think I saw uh, what they used for Creighton Duke's compound uh, early, you know, the beginning of the movie when they, when they first cut to, um, you know, the unsolved mysteries guy, yeah. uh, you know, he's like, we, we got an exclusive invitation, uh, to visit his, uh, you know, historic, uh, training compound or whatever. And it's just like a couple of shacks near the LA river. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw it definitely th- looks that at was water pretty, it's pretty much adjacent. next. Yeah. It's pretty much next door to, uh, to the house. So I was like, oh, all right, I live, I live 10 minutes from crystal Lake. That's cool. <laughs> You can tell that you live uh, 10 minutes from Crystal Lake because New Jersey is notoriously yeah. brown. <laughs> Everyone talks about that state being very brown, yeah. very dry. So Stephen and Jessica have now escaped this sheriff's officer uh, station rampage. And they head to where they think their baby is. That's Joey B's diner. Joey B pulls a pistol on the both of them and gives what I believe is the line reading of a lifetime. No one's going to fucking touch that ray of sunshine. <laughs> Which earned her the pain. I love that. I, she, I, she, she's protecting a baby from it, her own parents. So she's holding a gun on both the mother and father for a baby that 20 minutes ago, maybe half. I don't know what time kind of flows differently in. Crystal Lake, but when the baby arrived, it was like, get that fucking thing out of here. And now she will shoot its own parents. Yes. It's a real 180. Yeah. She she really bonded with uh, the baby, I guess. Well, when you keep a child alive inside a cardboard box (laughs) on top of a table, I mean, we're all parents. That is the scariest part of this entire movie. Is the idea that you could leave yeah. an infant child in an open cardboard box on top of a table? That's one of the things. It's like that, when I had a kid. It's like all these movies now affect me in so many different ways. Like that never would have crossed my mind. I would have been like, "Yeah, it's a baby. It can't walk. Like, I know it can't walk. Like, why not put it in a box and leave it somewhere? It'll be all right." You know, make sure it's fed. And now I look at that and I'm mortified. I'm just like, what is wrong with you people? But also, like, not so much with this one because they're adults, but. Man, I cannot watch the older ones anymore without getting so bummed out about thinking about all the parents like getting those phone calls next morning. <laughs> especially, especially Final Chapter, because Final Chapter actually shows a crying parent. Like I don't know who it is. It's like they just when they bring his body to the hospital, they wheel him past this lady, just bawling her eyes out of the waiting room, and it kills me when I see it. I'm like, oh god, I bet that's Shelley's mom. Like she's the. <laughs> 
Oh, Mrs. Finkelstein? Mrs. Finkelstein, yeah. I'm not supposed to have emotions in these movies. Uh, I can't help. I mean, the dumbest movies now, but I'm just like, oh, man. I can't help but think of the reality of the situation, no matter how stupid it is. Well, this movie's going to help you knock your your way out of reality. This is very an unreal sequence. Because Speaking of my kid, though, just real quick, uh, uh, and this, this is the scene she says a couple times, uh, the, the Leslie Jordan character... The little guy in the hat. His name is Pookie, and mm-hmm. I, I call that's what I call my son. Uh, that's his nickname, and I'm pretty sure I got it from this movie, uh, which is just depressing. Yeah, I transitioned Sorry, to kid. kid. I think because I watched the Gilmore Girls reunion, uh, and okay. it just stuck, and, yeah. and so a kiddo kid just flies out of my mouth. It's, yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it's it Buddy. Somewhere. I call him Buddy when I'm kind of annoyed with him, like Buddy. But yeah, Pookie's the uh, the endearment term, and I, I dread the day he finds out where I get it from. <laughs> this piece of shit, Dad. <laughs> you couldn't call me something like Demon or something from one of the ones you like. Sorry. <laughs> well, let's face facts. When when he learns what Dad has made a career out of, sure. in terms of the movies that he watched, <laughs> I mean the sheer volume, Collins, of films that you have watched. Yeah, he, who who can possibly guess when he would ever get around <laughs> to uh, part nine of the Friday the 13th series? So at this point in the movie, the producers, the director, I'm not sure who says, hey, I got an idea. Let's let's remake Raising Arizona. Everyone, do you want to make re- remake Raising Arizona today? Because this isn't going well. Let's make another movie. And out of nowhere. Shits, you get bullet point of view shots. Mm-hmm. And Joey is hit and she does a pirouette in front of the camera. Like, I'm surprised <laughs> cartoon birds don't make an appearance. <laughs> it, it becomes like, like, her, 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 eye should, her eye should flash like tilt, tilt, or no <laughs> sail. <laughs> like, why isn't there a mallet? Why isn't there a skunk romancing uh. a cat? Like, it's just out of nowhere, it gets wacky, but it only lasts for this one section in time until they shoot the lights out because this movie has to be bathed in black and blue because it's the 90s. It only lasts for that that period of time. Uh, This whole sequence is in slow motion, too, which is another 90s. uh, I mean, literally, there's like three shots kind of scattered in between that are not, but other than that, it's like... Straight up slow motion for like two minutes straight. Because if I want to see anything in slow motion, mm-hmm. it's Leslie Jordan yelling, Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, only Leslie Jordan can. Anyways, outside, uh, Ward gets his forearm snapped in two and he's gently pushed into a door. <laughs> <laughs> You have two, one very grisly action, and the other one's like, you need yeah. to sit down, buddy. He's been through enough, I guess. <laughs> That's right. So he's dead, maybe? It's yeah, it's, it's another one of those deaths where it's like, that wouldn't have killed you. But it's kind of, the game kind of, I don't know if you ever even played the, the Friday the 13th game. Um, Jason can kill somebody uh, simply by tossing them through a window on the ground floor, even if the window's open. But the thing is, in the game, you can jump through the windows yourself, and you're fine. You get, like, a slight hit to your health, but that's about it. But if Jason huh. does it with the same amount of force, you're dead. Maybe they, got it from, maybe they got it from this. Jason, when Jason picks you up and throws you, no matter how gentle it looks, it's 
It's tough, man. It's well. Let's, we we all know this. Jason Voorhees hates doors and yeah. windows. Now he doesn't punish as many doors in this film, but he sure as fuck hates windows. He manages to break through one in this very sequence. Uh, but we're not there yet. He comes into the diner, uh, grabs a patron, and push and uh, slams his, his head <laughs> through the counter. Yeah. So that's. Diner kill number two. There's also um, an extra waitress in this scene, or that, or just some really weird continuity. There's some super weird continuity. Because yeah, there's there, one, it's, when yeah. Uh, when when Vicky uh, dives behind the the counter, there's another waitress next to her, and I don't think oh, we I see don't, her I don't, again. I don't. I don't think that. Well, I don't know if that's an extra waitress or that it's just weirdly edited the part with Vicky because she's the one who's shooting the shotgun. Yeah. And she shoots the shotgun for what feels like forever. And she, and she takes out another diner in the process. <laughs> <laughs> Not since the videographer in part seven and part eight, and we had an impromptu, you know, sideline death. But here we go. This is the reason why you don't give teachers guns, people, because they'll get caught in the crossfire just like this one guy does. But yeah, she, as far as I can tell, there does not seem to be a third waitress, but they sure do mess with the continuity of yeah, where Jessica is at any given time, and they both have the same haircut, so that doesn't help. Yeah. Well, you see, Vicky jumps behind the counter, and she's got that red checkerboard outfit on, and there's another one. It looks like the name is Beth next to her, and I, don't, I just cannot for the life of me figure out where that character goes after this. I thought <laughs> I thought I had gone through this with a fine tooth comb. Yeah, watch the show. Watch the show. She jumps over the uh, counter before she starts shooting. It's oh, that's, all you're very right. disorienting. The one with the French braid. Yeah, yeah. She kind of gets shoved to the ground when he comes through the door. Then she, then Vicky goes over the counter. But where does French braid grow? No, yeah. the French braid is on the ground. Vicky. So she was knocked out in the process because Joey B appears to be knocked out. Yeah. Vicky's oh kind of badass this... in this sequence, too. I mean, Vicky really holds her own as, like, one of the more memorable, not-final girl people to fight Jason in the series. She and wins she, the she, Brenda she, Award she shoots him. This. She shoots him a few times, and when her shotgun finally runs out of bullets, she legit is like, all right, what else can I go after this guy with? And she finds a spear or a rebar I think or something. As, as, like, as, rebar. Yeah, as, rebar, yeah. I was going to say, as one has, just kind of hanging yeah. around a diner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have rebar, there's no cribs. Uh, we learned that roast beef is two ninety five. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> <laughs> this movie doesn't have as much interesting graffiti <laughs> as Part Eight did. Part yeah. Eight had some great bad graffiti. <laughs> uh, this we learned that yeah they have they do have fried clams and roast beef is two ninety five. Leslie Jordan in slow motion gets tossed a gun. And shoots the uh, news at 11, Jason, but that has zero effect. His face is then shoved into a deep fryer, mm -hmm. uh, which cannot be fun. So that's, uh, in the terms of a George Lucas thing, a bit of duality. It rhymes, because in part 10, we're going to have someone's face put into uh, freezing liquid. Uh. So there we go. Hot and cold. It's a real... Katy Perry song for everyone. During this, uh, Joey B comes to the aid of her man and for her troubles, gets her chin elbowed into her head. Uh, yeah, I'm, tr I'm trying to think of the biology behind that. I think that would shatter your elbow before it would shatter someone's jaw in the way it's portrayed. I will say I've never seen it before, and I can't imagine I've seen it since. She looks a bit like Arse Face from Preacher. Oh, yeah. uh, at the end of it. 
uh, but you can also definitively see the line of where they've applied the pliants. Um, <laughs> because this, this thing is bathed in blue light, and she has red and pink makeup on, and that creates contrast. Folks, I'm not a filmmaker, but even I know that red and blue don't mix when it comes to makeup appliances. <laughs> Hi. So that's they're down, too. This whole family got wiped out in one fell swoop. <laughs> uh, Leslie Jordan gets thrown on the, the uh, griddle top just for uh, good placement. Uh, News at 11, Jason defenestrates through a window to grab Jessica. But to the rescue is Vicky, who has reloaded that two-shot shotgun and shoots that shotgun another three times. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the gun in Clue. <laughs> exactly. Uh, she grabs a piece of rebar and just pole vaults into this motherfucker, which once again tells me they don't know where this giant creature is that lives inside. I think this is the best Jason zombie makeup appliance that they do. He's really falling apart at this point, and it looks pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, he manages to pull Vicky into that same piece of rebar, and then he crushes her head like it's a fruit gusher and that's, that's kind of awesome <laughs> it is i think it's a very underrated death i yeah. think it keeps going and going and going i know uh, uh, i'm trying to remember it's been so long since i've watched the rated version of the movie i'm trying to remember like how they're her death because that one's pretty gory even for the movie even for the unrated version yes uh, it's so i'm trying to remember like how much they trimmed out of that one they definitely trim out the part where where uh, translucent, weirdly translucent blood flows out of her mouth. Oh, okay. Uh, and then you don't the the burst of her head volcanoing out of the yeah. top of it is cut down. So the the gorier version of it is far better uh, than the unrated version that they for some reason released on Blu-ray. Thanks a bunch, Warner yeah. Brothers. Oh, the, the, way the, to be I never, I never got the blu-ray set so the, the unrated one's not on the blu-ray the digital version yeah that you get as a part okay. of it that's unrated <laughs> the blu-ray the is itself. rated <laughs> yeah i great job guys. it's way to go yeah. way to be the new sets just one through eight anyway right yes yeah so. and the box art is oh that's atrocious atrocious yeah. it looks like an eight-year-old yeah. scribbled it i don't know what's going on at the home video department at Paramount, but they, this and the box set of Grease that's coming out are the first draft ideas anyone with any sense would say no to. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, ship them out. <laughs> I, I don't want people to look at the cover and go, oh, I want to own that. I want to scare <laughs> them away. Fucking idiots. So I won't be working for Paramount anytime soon, <laughs> at least not their home video <laughs> division. Not that Warner Brothers has treated me well with what I have right now. Uh, but that is it. That is the sum total of this section. And it is very death-filled. Mm -hmm. And as is our tradition here at the Kill by Kill podcast, it is time to play Choose Your Own Death Adventure. Of the deaths that we witnessed in this portion of the movie, if you were forced to die that way, which one would you choose and why? Up for bid this week, tossed to death. Like that one Officer Bish in the sheriff's station, head slammed into locker, nose shoved into your own head, cheek slammed, forearm split, and then pushed to death. 
Head slammed through diner counter. Shot in crossfire by waitress. Your face submerged into a fryer. Chin elbowed through your face. And finally, speared through rebar and having your head crushed. And Brian, as a man who's witnessed many a horror movie death, is my honor to ask you, choose your own death venture, sir. I, uh, I, you know, I'm going to go with the, the crossfire guy because I like it would be just my luck to be in a fucking Jason situation and get killed by, you know, the random redhead lady that's just firing a gun at randomly out at trying to hit Jason and just killing me instead. Uh, that would be my uh, th- that would probably be how I'd go out for real. So I'll take that one. Plus, it's quick. You know, I wouldn't want to go out like poor uh, Leslie Jordan. I mean, that guy suffered a bit. He got his face burned for a while and he got his whole body burned. So yeah, I'll go. I'll go with that poor bastard. Just you know, mind his own business. And... I I buy that reasoning one hundred percent. Okay, Gina, what say you? Uh, you know, as as a pattern for me, that I I I would prefer the quickest route possible. So I'm going to take nose dripping into the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not the most exciting death in the world. It's not even the most gory death in the world. But but it's quick and it's quiet and and. You know, I, it didn't lead too much of a mess to leave behind. I mean, just imagine having to do the cleanup job with that diner. It's it's <laughs> also not a death. That guy lives. He, he comes back later in the movie. He does? Wh- which one? The sheriff? The guy gets... Oh. What, that's, yeah. Oh. Is that really true? He does? Yeah. He does? Yeah. Well, okay. He there. doesn't count. Everyone? It's, uh, it's uh, a race well, I mean, it's supposed to. It's supposed to... It's supposed to... We're supposed to think he's dead because he comes back at the end and you think he's the new host. But then oh. he, uh, his you know, nose it's, it's, is it's driven Randy. into his brain. Hey, man, he's the, he was in Critters. How do you survive uh, that? <laughs> he has, You're he, saying he because up. anyone in Critters is yeah, allowed he to live up. through that? Yeah, they got special uh. skills. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> what's the space guy's name? He helped him out. Oh my! I, yeah, that's a, it's a dumb it's a dumb attempt. I mean, I, I, I forget if I said this earlier, if I just tweeted it or what, but I, I really. The thing about this movie that really bugs me the most is the body swapping element. I mean, I, I don't mind the characters that much. I don't mind. Obviously, the production value is actually better than most of the movies in the series. Uh, the kills are fine. It's all, you know, if this was Jason doing all this, it's a perfectly decent entry. Uh, I just can't get around the body swapping thing. It's just after nine movies, he never noticed this. He never knew he had this skill. Um, and, uh, I swear that the whole thing was designed for that one bit at the end where it's like, and then you just don't know which one is Jason because they're both kind of messed up and they're both talking and you're like, ooh, who is it? Uh, and it's stupid. This is the drawback I, of watching I it in sections. Where do you? I do not. I, I saw this movie in the theater and I remember nothing of that <laughs> i remembered i remembered a little bit of the diner sequence like i remembered leslie jordan getting his face shoved into a deep fire like that i remembered but i don't remember any of what you're talking about <laughs> I, I i believe you I, I i do i'm just like it's a little disconcerting when you know you've seen a movie and you just like wow no i must have been i must have just like blacked out for like 35 minutes during this movie <laughs> when i watched the first time that, that's the thing about. All right, my... I guess I have to change. I have to change my answer. I guess. Um, yes. Gee whiz. Uh, all right. Well, you know, the, I just the... knock my head, knock my head like a coconut in a some idiot DJ. <laughs> all right. You're gonna have to wake up at like 5 a.m. for a good decade and a half 
and do LA Drive Time Radio. You realize that, right? <laughs> the uh, I mean, that's the funny oh, thing. I, about don't, it. I don't mind calling up people and, and trying to make them convince their partners that they're they're cheating on them. <laughs> <laughs> then why aren't we doing that podcast? You were you were you were saying, Brian? Oh uh, no, I mean that's the funny thing is, it's like I don't like the movie, and I've still seen it, you know, twenty times. <laughs> my my love for the series as a whole means that like you know whether the movies I like or I don't like I I will still watch them repeatedly enough to memorize them uh, retain that information in my head as things like you know uh, my mother's birthday kind of go by the wayside uh, that that is that is why we sought you out yeah we needed to have you on to, <laughs> to gain your wisdom. Uh, as far as myself is concerned, I, yeah, there's not a lot of quick deaths on display here, but I'll take my head slammed through a diner counter, I suppose, just because it's kind of glorious and, you know, head injury, probably not coming out of that one. You're probably just out of it while you bleed out. Yeah, I'm going to go with head slammed through diner because that way I would have at least gotten, you know, some awesome clams, or perhaps <laughs> two ninety five roast beef. Uh, oh, you already got one of them. Or oh, one of them. Oh, the two burgers. for one. Yeah, the two for one Jason burgers. I've always wanted to do that. Every time I get hamburgers, I'm like, oh, I should make the two the Jason ones. But like, you're not gonna like. It's you put all the shit on the burger. You ain't gonna notice it. All you're gonna notice is that you, at one point you take a bite out of your burger, and there's no burger there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Jason burger leaves a lot to be desired as far as a marketing ploy is concerned. They'd have to go wow. through the whole thing, like Jason bun, Jason like slice of lettuce, Jason tomato. And who has that kind of time? Yeah. You can't combine the, the yeah, leftover yeah, yeah. bun like together to create another yeah. bun. It's That's just, the genius of the burger. Yeah. This has been Diner Talk. <laughs> I feel like y'all. <laughs> How to stretch your diner dollar. Uh, and so that brings this, unfortunately, to an end. But that means it's plugs time. Brian, where can people hear and read more from you? Um, you can hear me on this this podcast. And uh, you can read, uh, well, I, I write a weekly column at Birth Movies Death called Colin's Crypt. And um, I still update horror movie a day every now and then not every day obviously um basically just if i feel like updating i, I will um and uh, you can find me on twitter uh, pretty much all day long at brian w collins do it today people all right gina uh where can people find you on the internet i uh, you can find me at GinaRadcliffe.com where i write about uh movies and other various pop culture sundry items uh i am making my way through watching every episode of super train the uh the very short-lived thank god but not short enough uh 1979 television series it is one of the hardest things i've ever done as far as writing about pop culture, it, it is it is such a fucking chore. I, I don't know why I said I was going to do it. <laughs> now, are there 22 episodes or did it only make 13? <laughs> they only made nine. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and and as of this recording, I have two more to go. And I'm just I, I'm just despairing over having to finish it. And I don't even have to. I'm not being paid to do it. I said I was going to do it. And I was like, yeah, this will be fun. It'll be so bad, it's good. No, no. <laughs> it, it is just an ordeal in every possible way. But if you want to read it, please do. Yes. It's, enjoy her pain. That's that's why she's yes. doing it. 
All right, that's that, that'll do it for us, people. If you want to reach out to us, there are a couple of different ways you can do it. Uh, reach out via Twitter, Kill by Kill Pod. Uh, that's the easiest way. You got something longer than uh, 280 characters to, to say? That's our email, killbykillpod at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, killbykillpodcast. We've added ourselves to v- Vero. And I can't make that fucking thing work. But if you want to follow us on there, by all means, if you can make it work, more power to you, my friend. Um, I doubt I'll be spending a ton of time on there because I don't know how it operates. Maybe one day I I will. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about either. Here's the thing. Once again, we will not be going to Snapchat. Won't be happening. So... Catch us on Virvo, or whatever the fuck that thing is. Uh, That does it for this week, but don't worry. The body count will continue. Until next time, for myself and Gina and Brian. Bye-bye, everybody. comes back around to it was one of the first ones i saw i it's it's I james bond disease to be sold on it <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, I will not be sold on it being a secretly good movie no <laughs> <laughs> no no because no i mean i will say like i i did not like I, our journey through part three wasn't wasn't exactly a treat, but seeing it with a crowd, it went down a lot easier. You know, everything did with the see, group. Yeah. Did you see it? Like, was it did they restore the three D or anything like that? Or? No, it was it, no, it was Aww. at Cine Family before that. You know, bit the dust. Yeah. Um, and the the woman behind me was the first time she had seen it, and she had a, a delightful time. Yeah, I mean, I think they're breezier when, you know, you don't have your finger near the pause button. That I don't doubt. It's it's still a terrible movie. It's yeah, just, none it's... of the rest of them, none of the other ones have made, I mean, they've been, I mean, the last couple of ones have been really stupid. That yeah. one is the only one that's actually made me angry. <laughs> I still like, think what the, about... What am I doing with my life watching this? <laughs> Kill by Kills produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.